0: Welcome to episode 215 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson.
1: And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Salih Abdul Karim. He is a designer in motion and animation. Here. A motion designer. A motion. Is, I think is what you mean. An, an emotional, emotional designer, designer yes. here at Airbnb. Uh, he works on commercials and animations and in product motion design, as well as the open source tool Lottie, which you might have heard of, making it easy to get animations inside your product. Before we get into the conversation, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, and that's Fuse. Views makes it easy
0: to stop prototyping and just start building apps in iOS and Android. You build native apps using this nice syntax called .ux, and it enables you to just straight up start building component-based architectures for your apps.
1: They've shipped a really awesome syntax to make writing views and controllers and transitions and... And view controllers. And view controllers. Incredibly simple and easy to do. Literally the same learning curve as learning something like CoffeeScript or... Noodles and ports, any of these complicated prototyping tools. The difference is Noodles sounds delicious. That's really why I picked those prototyping tools. (laughs) The nudes. Uh the difference (laughs) the difference is on Fuse, what you build compiles down to an actual application that you can launch. On Android iOS, put it in the App Store have people use it for real. It's an entirely different experience and they build awesome development tools around making learning easy, shipping easy, testing easy, and collaborating with the team as easy as possible. You could think of it a lot like Unity, but for app development, where you have an entire integrated experience so that you can ideate, test, share, all in one suite of products. And then at the end of the day, uh, the thing exists. And that's the key difference between what Fuse is working on and what every other prototyping and design tool is working on. And so what makes Fuse so exciting? It's not a picture. It's an actual app. Yep. It's actually usable. It's not just
0: like an idea. It is an actual product that other people can use.
1: They recently released Fuse Studio, which is part of their professional plan, which gives you an entire application suite, uh, making it really easy to design and develop applications. It's like a design tool, code, workspace, hybrid. It looks awesome. But otherwise, they're continuing to pump out docs and examples and really showcase what's possible for building products with Fuse. You can check all that stuff out at FuseTools.com. And the best part is all this is free. Sick. If you're just working on something for yourself or working on a small team and only you need it, it's totally free to use. If you're looking for a more collaborative experience across a larger team or need more powerful features like Fuse Studio, that's an option as well. They told us to explicitly call out that you don't have to pay for this, that the paid plan is an option, especially if you're working with the team and need collaboration functionality. It's meant for businesses that have steady income already. Yeah. So you should get started. You can try Fuse for free. Start learning to prototype and build real apps. Uh, That's at FuseTools.com. They've got awesome documentation. You can see examples and a showcase showing all the stuff that people have built using Fuse. Uh, Get started today for free. If you are working on a team and want to level up the way you design and build products,
0: you can go to FuseTools.com slash plans and use the code design details at checkout.
1: That'll get you 50% off the retail price of Fuse Pro for 12 months. That's 50% five zero. So it's pretty big. We definitely recommend giving it a try. Again, that's at FuseTools.com. So you can stop prototyping and start making Android and iOS apps
0: together. Today. Together.
1: Together. Today. Together.
0: And with that, let's get into episode 215 with Salih Abdul-Karim.
2: So yeah, my name is Salih Abdul-Karim. I'm a design lead at Airbnb, and I'm happy to be here. Nice. We're happy to have you. Thank you. What are you working on right now? So right now... Uh, my primary focus is any motion on any of the products that's iOS, Android or web. Uh, I'm work- I always work on between four and eight projects all at one time because they're all have different state they're all in different stages. Some are just starting, some are in a concept stage, some I need to just make a little asset for. They're all in different stages. So at any one given time, I've got four to eight things up in the air. And it's just about shooting at the right one. <laughs> when it needs to be shot at <laughs> at the right time right? yeah uh, and mm-hmm. that's uh i think one of my kind of skills that i've developed over the years is working a little smart instead of just working hard and so i'm able to kind of juggle all those things all at once what's your trick there's no trick it's just what needs what's important today mm-hmm. but that's hard it's not as hard as you think. Okay. I mean, I think, I think it depends. You have to rely a little bit on the people you're working with to let you know what's, what's important to them. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is making sure I understand what they need, when they need it, why they need it so that we can work together to, to, you know, figure out when, when to get things done. Yeah. Uh, and also sometimes it's like, you know, you collaborating with someone. And they're getting pressure from some angle. And then they're putting that pressure on you. Just sitting down and saying, well, let's talk about, do I even need to start on this right now? Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Maybe we can wait till next week. Maybe maybe there's a review happening tomorrow that I need to know about. Mm -hmm. So it's just about staying in communication with everybody on a daily basis and, you know, making it happen.
0: How many animators are on the team? Is it it motion designer? Is it animators? All right. Me. Uh, One. for now is that like a <laughs> is that like a studio model where people come to you from a bunch of different departments and just ask for stuff kind
2: of uh, since it's since it is just me mm-hmm. it's very loose at the moment uh, <laughs> because I am the gatekeeper <laughs> and it's not even uh it's almost not even a gatekeeper kind of thing it's more like a, i'm like a helper right people are all working on their different uh projects guest projects host projects. And at times they hit they hit roadblocks mm. where they're like, you know, I have these screens or I have this interaction and for some reason it doesn't feel right. And that's where I try to step in and try to use motion to fix that problem.
0: Just put easy ease on it and call Just it Just a little easy ease and
2: we're good to go. That's why I can do four to eight of those at a time. My job's uh, pretty easy. Ease. <laughs>
1: Uh, what would be some examples of when this has been successful at Airbnb?
2: When motion has been successful, yeah, or the process of having a motion designer has been mm, successful. Both. Let's start with having a motion designer.
1: Like, why? Why, why does Airbnb need you? <laughs> can you justify your job to us now? Live I can definitely in front of it. everyone. I do it every day. No, How uh, insulting are we being right
2: now? <laughs> no, it's it's you know what? It's not insulting. It's it's and again, a uh, you know. Since I come from that other industry, it's something that I don't think product designers have had that much experience with. And and the experience is just tied to it's it's using time as an asset, just like you would use color, typography, layout, and then add time to that. And I think a lot of designers, they not a lot, but some come with a graphic design background. Graphic design, you're always looking at one thing and you're trying to get everything in one thing. And I think sometimes when you cross over from graphic design to product design, you still have that mentality and you don't realize that you can use time to enforce the same relationships the way you would use size and scale. And so I think a motion designer brings that. And I think that I I help a lot of people on the team think about using time as an asset. Um, And then also a little bit of not just using time as a strictly as an asset, but trying to build a narrative throughout the course of any kind of flow or interaction. So not just spacing things out in time, but also what should happen first because it fits the narrative, what should happen second, because it fits the story, even a mini story that we want to tell. Uh, So that's what I think motion designers bring. And especially working on commercials, that's all you're doing. You know, you got, 30 seconds to convince someone to buy Cheerios, right? What are you gonna do first? Uh the B. The B. Everybody loves the B. <laughs> well, only works for honey nut, sorry. <laughs> well, is there... Is there oh a, shit, the B's only for Honey Nut. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but no one buys the other Cheerios, <laughs> right? So it's gonna when be when we, we say nut. Cheerios, it's implied that we're talking about honey yeah, nut Cheerios. It's gonna be honey nut, let's be realistic. But again, it's all those questions. What do we show first? What do we show in the middle? What do we show last? Should we move the last thing we had to the front because people will tie into it better? And that's it's all just story storytelling. Sequ- storytelling and sequencing and and not just storytelling in terms of like what's the plot? Cuz that's not actually what's important. You might you might have a good a great plot ready, but if you don't tell it in the right order, then it's, it's, it, it's wasted effort. So I think in products, it's the same thing. You might have a great product. If you don't do things in a good order, it makes sense for your user to end up, mm-hmm. you know. Unless you're making Memento. But even Memento. <laughs> Memento is a product. <laughs> <laughs> but even Memento is a fantastic example of how do you flip that on its uh-huh. back and <laughs> still do it the right way. I saw someone tweet like,
1: Memento squinting. Memento won't make any sense to this generation because if he'd had a smartphone back then, it, like, it would have just negated the entire plot of the whole movie. Just like, make a note.
2: Cool. Somebody's going to make it. Somebody's going to make a new Memento. And it, it's, it's going to be like... It's just iOS notes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And like yeah. photos of himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Selfies. Looking through his old tweets.
2: <laughs>
1: it's a Twitter uh, timeline. <laughs> shit not a bad parody account guys that
0: memento was- as a twitter account
1: it'd be pretty short though
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean the movie itself is this sh- it's a short story mm-hmm.
1: i need to rewatch it actually i think i saw it like eight years ago
2: <laughs> it still holds
1: up yeah i think
2: i don't know i like all movies i'm like the worst person to talk about movies with not, like, I like not a critic. I'm not a critic. I like them all. I Even like the that. stupid ones, I like them. <laughs> mm-hmm. People are like,
1: you see that movie? It's horrible. I'm like, I love that movie. <laughs> I sat down for two hours and was entertained.
2: <laughs> I watched it twice. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I think I would probably align more with that than being a, a harsh critic. But I don't know if it's because I lack an eye or I just don't care that much.
0: Or because you find the joy in things. <laughs> <laughs> or I like thinking Let like
1: that. Have a... <laughs> naive optimism about like the world that. around me.
2: And not naive, just optimism. Just optimism. Yeah. That's <laughs> yes, informed optimism. Exactly.
1: Uh, going back to the motion design, the the big trend now is around design systems. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Google is doing a lot of work around building design systems for motion. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think about systematizing the work that you're doing? or Are you doing that at Airbnb?
2: We're doing it a little bit. You know, uh, one of the things that I have to tried to do, because people have asked for it, is how do we build more structure around how we use motion? And I still haven't quite figured out the right exact way to do it. So right now, all we have is a couple of really high-level principles for our motion. We, we, We only use motion if it has meaning, and if that meaning ties directly to the screen or the action. And then when when we do use motion that has meaning, we want it to embody the kind of personality that Airbnb embodies: warm, delightful, friendly. Right? Those are two principles for how we use motion. We don't have any technical stuff in there. No easing. No. Oh, really? You know, other stuff because, um, when I when I was working in New York all those years, I worked on a lot of network redesigns, so. I'm sure you've seen, you know, I know you love Bravo, the Bravo channel. Bravo. Yeah, I know that's your favorite channel. So like right. Bravo will cool. redesign and all of the look of the whole network. I'm trying to think about any shows on Bravo. <laughs> I don't know why that's the first one that popped in my head. But either way, when, when a network redesigns, all of the whole look of the network is different. Hmm. Sometimes even to the logo of the network. Right. And there's a group of designers and animators that work on that. And that is in in itself kind of a, a design system because you're creating a language. Right. You're creating a design language. You're creating a motion language. You're defining the colors. You're defining how they have a little bumper that goes into a show or what the commercials look like. And when I worked on these, there is no mention anywhere of easing curves <laughs> because it is all about vibe. Mm hmm. And I think the way that product designers have had to approach animation in the past has been more about numbers and I haven't. So I'm actually not even thinking about that. You're just pick whipping all over the place. I'm pick whipping everywhere <laughs> and, and I'm doing whatever easing feels right for that moment. And I'm making sure that the vibe across everything has the same feeling. And that at, at least today, That's most important for me. Maybe next week I'll change my mind and I'll, you know, I'll send you a message and I'll be like, here's the perfect easing curve. Use it every time. But for now, I think it's really more about a vibe.
1: I'm wondering too, if it's impacted by the fact that you're the only one doing that.
2: A lot of the system stuff
0: is focused on working together, right?
1: Yeah. Like if you have multiple people, like what feels right to you feels wrong to someone else. and It's possible. It's
2: it's possible. I'm almost always right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's possible, but I still think that if let's say there were five of me and we're all working on different things, power team, we still have to at some point come together, look at the work together and see where there's discrepancies. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the discrepancies aren't going to be like, hey, your easing curve is different than mine. I feel like the discrepancy is going to be, you know, we've been doing these smooth moves and now you're bouncing things should we be bouncing things at all? That's where I feel like you need to stay in sync, not necessarily with exact values.
1: What about with some of the more mm, subjective stuff, especially Mm -hmm. around like, does this align with the personality of Airbnb? Mm -hmm. How do you talk about that in a crit session objectively? Like that doesn't feel warm to me, or that doesn't feel inviting or something.
2: I think it is, just about talking through it Hmm. because you can't just say that doesn't feel warm to me. You have to try to explain why. And sometimes, you know, you start to talk about why you think it does not And then you start to go, I don't know, maybe it does. And then at some point you all kind of can at least reach a consensus where what you're explaining all aligns and maybe one person doesn't agree with it. Maybe that person, maybe someone in the meeting actually does think it feels warm, and they're able to accurately articulate why. And then you got three other people who say, you know, the opposite, and they can articulate why. At some point, somebody has to be (laughs) a decision maker to choose why, and then that's all it is. But I do think a lot of times it is about talking through it and trying to use words as best you can. And also, well, that's the hard part, huh? It is. <laughs> and it's it just is storytelling so all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> and also sometimes it's about having some good references in mind. It's like, mm. we did this over here. This feels warm to me. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why this, and then, then you can say why something else doesn't. Uh, what tools are you using? I use After Effects mostly for everything, but I do try to dab into other things when I can. So, I try to learn some Swift, nice, because again, my background's in television, yeah, there's no implementation, <laughs> yeah, right. You just export it and it goes on t v yeah, sometimes it goes on a tape, but who cares about tapes? Mm-hmm. that has to do with nobody nerd. that's <laughs> someone else's job exactly <laughs> so uh i I felt like I was missing a mental model that didn't allow me to understand how things were actually built. So I tried to learn some Swift so that if I'm talking to an engineer and they tell me, yeah, a view controller doesn't really work that way, I'll know what a view controller is. <laughs> I don't see myself really trying to learn too much more than enough to communicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do at times try to make little prototypes in Swift if I can, just for fun. Um, and then other there's other programs that I've tried to use, like Principle and Framer. And I just try to mess around in them but when it comes down to like i have a problem and i need mm-hmm. to solve it by tomorrow nine times out of ten i, I jump in there. i
0: have to fix, I think, it, like, it out i think like principle and framer and stuff like that work well for ui stuff but for anything that is like uh, like the lottie logo like mm-hmm. that you couldn't do that in principle at all right
1: so yeah. um moving from tv to ios was that a shift in context that made you rethink your work or the the way you approach motion design moving from not only like a platform, but also from a context where on TV it's view only. Mm -hmm. And now you have a device that someone might be touching and they might want to go back. and Like there might be different interactions. How did that change the way you think about motion? Yeah. I don't
2: think I have an exact way. I know that it made me change, but it did make me think a lot more because things are so different and more than anything, I don't know if it was the interactions that made me think different uh, because games do that all the time. Games are like this combination of both entertainment and interaction. Uh, I think it was more implementation layer. Like like what you make as a designer is not actually it. It's, it's not being presented. It's like engageable. Right. And what you make, if I make a motion prototype, somebody has to actually make a real one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that part is what I think about the most. Uh and that's one of the reasons why we even started Lottie in the first place was to try and see if we could make that transition easier. Because once you make that easier, the whole world opens up for you. But if there is that gap, you know, and it's like if I'm if I draw, you know, a sculpture, if I draw the sculpture of David, and then now I give that picture to someone and I'm like, go make this sculpture for real. Do this in HTML and CSS. <laughs> right? and it's like, that's hard to, yeah. that's hard to do because it is, it's just a pencil drawing. And they get, and they, the sculptor is like, well, what about the back? You're like, oh, sh- I didn't think about the back. <laughs> Let me exist, check man. that. Right. So <laughs> this is going up against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the kind of things I think about most mm-hmm. of the time is when I'm working on something, trying to make sure I do draw the back and fill in all the gaps, but also. How do I make it easiest for them to actually implement it? So, for people who don't know, what is Lottie? So Lottie is it's an iOS, Android, and React Native library that allows you to play and manipulate animations in real time from After Effects. So, basically, you export an, uh, af- an animation from After Effects. When you export it, it comes out in this little JSON file. It's all the animation data is in this file and then what Lottie does on the respective platform is take that file look at all the information and rebuild the animation in real time for that platform that's a short answer when did the conversation start around building this it started we have these hackathons it used to be a week then it was 3 days now it's like 1 day we Next used to have 35 minutes shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we used to have these hackathons and um, there's another engineer at uh, Airbnb, his name's Brandon Withrow. And so he's an iOS engineer, but he went to animation school uh, he went to Savannah college of art and design and got an animation degree. So when I came to Airbnb, me and him clicked immediately because we both love animation. And during this hackathon, I approached him with this open source project called, it's called body moving. It's made mm-hmm. by this engineer, designer, Teresi, he's based in Argentina. And what the Body Move-In project does is export the data from After Effects. So when I saw that, um, I asked Brandon if you think we could use this data somehow because Hernan was using it to play animations on the web. He, he built a JavaScript a JavaScript player for the web. And so I approached Brandon and I said, what do you think? I mean, you want to try it? And he, he tried it. And he got like a circle going, <laughs> and we were like, "All right, yeah. all right." And it's then a nice it kind of progressed from there, and he got to a certain point where uh, we brought in an, an Android engineer, Gabriel Peel, to work on the Android side, and then it was like a rocket after that.
1: Mm-hmm. And how long did you? Was it just the three of you? Mm-hmm. And how long did you work on it before the world knew about it?
2: I mean, we had work. We had worked on it for a year, mm-hmm. so. The hackathon happened. Brandon worked on it for two days. And then it kind of got forgotten about for three or four months. And then I kind of poked Brandon. I was like, remember that thing, man? <laughs> what, what, what do you think? You that know, circle, funny. that circle. I think, I, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but he got, you know, a week of time to actually sit and work on it for real. And he worked on it for a full week. And he got really far, farther than any of us thought he would get. And then Gabe got involved maybe around the sixth month. And then that last six months was, that was really where most of the work got done. So Gabe got caught up and got to parity with iOS. And then we were able to actually test it in our product. So I started doing little projects with teams just to test it and and see how it worked. I think it broke a couple of things a couple of times. (laughs) to, But that's part of it, right? Yeah. (laughs) So we had to go back and change some things or, Animations weren't looking the way we thought they were supposed to in product or they were like disappearing for some strange reason. So we had to continue to try and tweak it out during that, that six months. Uh, but I think it was, it was a year long thing.
1: When did the conversation start that y'all were going to open source this?
2: I think we always knew we were going to because it was built off of another open source project. I think it's hard to start building on someone else's open source and then you keep it. Ah, this is ours now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think we always knew. I think it was only until the last like after the new year, January, where we actually tried to really go for it. And that's when we brought in Meredith to help us make the logo. Meredith and, Schomburg. Yeah. Sham, Shambot. Sham Bombadil. Bombadil. And uh, she was fantastic helping out make the logo, and then I think you all had Kari on this mm-hmm, program yeah. too. He helped out making the landing page. At that point, I was just pulling favors, trying <laughs> to get anybody <laughs> yeah. could to help out with this this little project. Uh, and it was really the last month where we actually said, So, what do we need to actually do to open source? Because yeah. you could all you, you've seen all these open source projects that just a GitHub page and then some text yeah. and code, and it's it, again, for me, I don't know how to even start half the time. So we knew we needed to have, yes, GitHub repos, but also we needed a a, a landing page or a hub that could actually explain it in, in regular people's terms, but also that could show off how you might use it. And that's something that was a little more designer friendly or not engineer friendly. Those are polar opposites. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, who, like, why do you need a logo, anyways? Right. Uh, We could have easily not made one, but I think it's nice. As designers, it's kind of important because it's not just about what the name is or what it does. It's about the vibe and the feel and what colors you choose, and all that stuff reinforces the feeling. So, so you all open sourced it. We open sourced it. How's the response? It's been great. Yeah. People love it. We're. I'm shocked. I'm shocked that we even made it, number one, and then also shocked that people seem to really like it and use it, and it's working for them.
1: I'm stunned. And so now there's been multiple updates. It's like a thing. So mm-hmm. are, are you working on this full-time or part-time? Or?
2: I mean, I use it all the time. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say that I quote-unquote work on it, because really Gabe and Brandon are the heroes. And Hernan, they're the heroes of this. They work on it. But I think what I, my, what I try to provide is a like projects at Airbnb that I think can push it forward. So example, right now, I'm trying to use Lottie for view transitions. So I'm trying to make an animation in After Effects, give the JSON file that I've exported to an engineer, and then have the functionality where they can just attach things and change a couple values and it will just work. And so for me, it's about okay. How can I make a project to f- kind of force us to try it? Uh, and that's w- basically what I do. Whether it's transition or even icon animations and illustrated animations, it's it's what can I make up as a project? Or or maybe someone came to me with a project, and maybe I say, well, what if we do this and and push push the library forward with that? Well,
1: icon animations.
2: We have, had a recent we have, collaboration. We have a, bunch, we have a bunch of them that we use. Um, I'm sure there's on, on the, I think on the native and web platforms, there's these little kind of, uh, uh, I don't even know what to call them. They're like notifications, but not notifications. And it'll say, you know, 10% of bookings for this, or are, are 10% of homes are, being viewed or something and it's got a little eye or it says you know three other people are looking at this listing right now it's got a little light bulb so we use these little icons for that and i think we've got about 40 of them mm-hmm. in the product now and we make new ones all the time because people are using this little notification framework for that so. yeah
1: but you also did a recent collaboration with the noun project is that right
2: oh yeah the modern pictograms yeah tell me about that so we reached out to the noun project because I always felt like Lottie is, it's an engineering tool that designers and animators and engineers can make things for. Mm -hmm. And so I always felt like we needed to make sure that we weren't just always talking about the engineering side, that we were actually talking about who can make things for this and getting people excited about making things for it. And so most Designers know what the Noun project is, but I didn't know that the designers and, and artists who make icons knew how they could make animations for Lottie. Uh so the idea was to collaborate with them, pick an icon set, animate it specifically for Lottie, release it to the public to get people understand that it's something you can do mm-hmm. now.
1: Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, like a nice write-up, and the icons are beautiful, nice animated touches. And I guess anyone can use those, right?
2: Exactly. So. And we released the source files. Mm-hmm. The icons were made by this designer, John Caserta. It's based in Rhode Island. He's a I professor used at RISD. I for a long time. Yeah, and they've been out for a long mm-hmm. time. And I, we released the source files so that people can open it and see how we did certain things and just think about it. And hopefully if they, if they have the idea to animate an icon for their product or whatever in the future, that they'll start to have an idea how they can do it. I mm-hmm. love it. Um,
1: Cool. Is Thank there anything you. else you want to talk about uh, with Lottie? Did we miss anything? Otherwise we can jump back and.
2: Yeah, I don't think he missed anything about Lottie. Uh, or like
1: anything else that's going on at Airbnb. I know we can't really talk about too much future stuff, but.
2: Yeah, and there's there's nothing really big in particular. It's just more of what I talked about how to how to push this thing forward because it it has a lot of there's a lot of potential there that we didn't realize when we first made it. When we first made it, we thought we're making just an animation format that we can play and stop and pause. That it would basically be a GIF, high quality GIF. But once we figured out that we can change the data at runtime. People started using it for static icons, like the New York Times uses it for the logo on their app, hmm. and they change the color dynamically. So people aren't even using it just for animation anymore. It's it's really strange. So the idea. But how does the New York Times one work? So on the New York Times uh, iOS and Android app, they have their logo at the top, and they have a dark mode that you can go in the settings and turn on dark mode, and it'll turn the background from white to gray. Yeah and turn their logo from black to white. And the logo is a Lottie JSON file. And instead of having two assets, a white one and a black one, that they're swapping, they just change the color programmatically. Huh. So, And it's infinitely scalable, it's vector, it's all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we just keep thinking about how else can we, what else can we do with this? And how can we make projects at Airbnb to push it forward? That's great. Hmm. I don't think... I would have ever thought to do that. Yeah, we. I, I would never, ever have thought. And there was another engineer when we were early on Lottie days. He he said it. This guy Andy. He I remember him walking by and be like, "Could you use this for static assets?" Yeah. Me and Brandon were like, "I guess." I don't know why anyone would <laughs> yeah. want to. Defeats but the point, man. <laughs> is, is it SVG for the most part? It's it's not SVG. It's it's like SVG but it's not svg. It's its own thing cuz there's things that After Effects can export that SVG just doesn't do the same way or mm-hmm. uh, so
1: cool cool let's go back to the beginning. Okay. Where are you far back? All
2: the way back. Where are you from? I'm from DC, Washington DC. I was born and raised there. I moved to Philadelphia once or twice when I was a really little kid. Um, and then when it was time to go to high school, we moved outside of DC to Northern Virginia, a city called Springfield. Mm. And I went to high school there, and then I ended up actually staying at my parents' house, going to college at George Mason University.
1: Yeah. What'd you go to college for?
2: I actually got, I, when I first started, I thought I was going to do computer science. Hmm. So, as a young boy, of course, I really wanted to make video games. Yeah. Surprise. Nice. But when I started, the computer science program, the math was just so bad for me. It was Mm -hmm. so hard. And it it wasn't just the math was hard. I don't think I was actually prepared for college. College is is just about learning how to learn. I didn't know how to learn. So I almost flunked out of school. And then I ended up seeing that the art department at the school at the time, they were trying to make some digital arts degree. They knew they needed something Mm -hmm. digital. So they ended up having this art studio degree and you could get a digital arts a concentration. And so that's what I ended up getting. So most of my coursework was drawing, painting, art theory, art history, critical thinking, stuff like that.
1: A little less math. So much less math. <laughs> I don't I didn't have to take another math class after that. Was that your first exposure to digital art, digital yeah. design? Absolutely. We had. So you started from scratch in college? Kind of. Crazy.
2: We had, and it was weird because, again, the school knew they needed some digital arts, but none of the professors did that. They were all fine artists. So they had one Photoshop class. Mm-hmm. And again, this is not like graphic design school mm-hmm. where it's actually you learn fundamentals. No, it was like here's how to use Photoshop one After Effects class, and then one class in a 3D program that doesn't even exist anymore. And I don't remember the name. Fireworks, 3D program fireworks. Oh, (laughs) I I missed the word 3D. 3D, 3D. Missed the 3D. Unless Unless you know of
1: different fireworks. Sorry, God.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And that was my first exposure to the tools, but also at the time, a a good friend of mine, his name's Andrew Stubbs Johnston. We kind of became, you know, the yin and yang at, at school. Like we'd. We, he'd do a project and we're like, Oh, wow, that's tight. And then I'd think, I gotta step my game up. (laughs) And then I'd do a project and he'd go, ooh, that's pretty good. And so we kind of bounced each other. And both of us always would look at work from these design shops that made animated commercials. And we would just every, every day we'd go refresh the site. Like, where's the new work? Where's the new work? And I knew after I graduated that I, I had to go to New York and try to work at some of these companies because I was just so interested in it. So that's what I did. Moved to New York. Wanted to do it, so I did it. And uh, I did that for about 10 years. What was your first gig? Oh, boy. So my first job ever, I remember I was still living in D.C., it was at this company called Loop Filmworks. They don't exist anymore either, either. But the... Maybe he was the lead designer or something. It was a two man shop and they had four people in the studio. And I remember I emailed him. I was like, Hey, David, I just graduated school and you know, I'm eager to do some design animation and you know, let me know if you all need any help. He was like, Yeah, sure. Come on down. What's your day rate? I was like, in my mind, I'm like, what's a day rate? Like, <laughs> I didn't even know what that was. Uh, and I think I had to ask around a bunch of people and I was like, yeah, it's. It's uh it's two hundred a day. And he was like, Great, come on down. (laughs) So I drove down I would wake up at like three in the morning, I'd drive all the way to New York, I'd get there around seven thirty, I'd take a nap in my car, and then I'd go to the studio and work all day. And we did this we did this uh design and animation package for a TV network that's not around anymore. This is a theme. What's going on? All the okay, things I worked on going back in the day don't
1: they don't exist anymore. So in ten years,
2: if Airbnb doesn't
1: exist, <laughs> I'm gonna replay this I mean, episode. It's my fault. Uh huh. Oh man, that guy so that was <laughs> wow. S- something about him. <laughs> Brutal. I'm a
2: killer. I'm a killer. I could turn that into a. I could turn that into a good thing. Actually. I think so. I think so. Yeah, people
1: will hire you to work at their competition. If I come knocking at your door,
2: you better be worried. <laughs> So that was my first gig ever. And I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing the first three or four years of doing it. Uh, But I was just happy to be there. What do you mean, like technical skills-wise? Everything. The business side? everything, Everything. Everything. Again, I didn't even know how to talk about how to get paid to do it. I would have done it for free.
1: Yeah.
2: I was just... (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, like, what's the day where you could just I'll just hang out for free if you want? Like, I would have accepted that. So it was all of it: it was the technical, how to use After Effects, how the, how jobs go, how to think conceptually, how to create. I mean, I, I I knew how to think conceptually a little bit from again art art department days, but it's different when you have a a client, and that client is coming to you to execute something they want a 30 second commercial. They want 5 30 second commercials. And it's it's more problem solving than creating art, and I had to learn all that stuff. Did you have any mentors at the time? Yeah, I had I had I had one really great mentor, but also had a a group of other designers and animators that we ended up collaborating with. So, after after I moved to New York, I did maybe three or four freelance jobs uh, at a couple different small shops like that place. And then I ended up taking a staff job at Comedy Central. Mm. And the the guy who hired me, his name is um, Kendrick, he was basically my mentor at that time. And when he brought me in, it was a team of seven of us. We were at Comedy Central as part of the promo department. And basically what that means is any show that Comedy Central, that's on Comedy Central, produced by Comedy Central, they need to have ads on Comedy Central. So I was part of a team that made those ads. We didn't make ads for any other networks. It was ads for Comedy Central on Comedy Central. Yeah. And there was six of us. uh, And we all, well, not all of us, but some of us kind of started at the same time. And it was the same thing. A- even Andrew, the guy I told you about from college, he ended up working there sometimes. And again, it was like, oh, look what Jerry did today. Man, I got to step my game up. And then, you know, it was like this, all of us together, underneath Kendrick, who was a fantastic mentor and designer and creative and um, I learned so much during that time, and and even those relationships I formed with all those folks still have today. Was there a particular favorite show to work on? Favorite show? When I I I remember when I started, it was right it was right after Chappelle's show was big, and I remember doing some promos for that that were kind of fun. And also we were able to kind of watch episodes like a day before they came out because <laughs> we had to make the commercial for it. Yeah, the show. yeah, yeah. And I remember I remember all of us getting the like uh, like demo tape and watching the Chappelle show special or something before it was out. We were cracking up. So I think that was a fun time. It's a good perk. Yeah. Working at a TV. I mean, again, room. it was like the day before.
1: It wasn't like weeks before. Still? But still, yeah. It was a lot you of You had the inside scoop. Exactly.
2: How long did you stay at Comedy Central? I was there for about three and a half years. Okay. And and when I left there, I just went freelance. Did the rest of my time in New York as a freelancer. Seven more years freelancing. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah, it was awesome, and it sounds crazy, but when you're there and you're doing it, it makes perfect sense because you've mm-hmm. got you've got this massive group of design shops in New York, and they're run by two-person owners, right? And they need to keep their costs low. So for them bringing on 10 staff people and you never know what kind of jobs you're going to get or how doesn't always make that much sense. It was a lot easier for that industry at that time to bring in somebody for three weeks to work on this thing, book somebody else, for a couple Mm -hmm. more weeks to work on another thing and bring in pieces as you need them to keep your costs lean. And then, uh, then you can, you can operate without too much overhead. Yeah. So was it always, uh, like TV projects or were there other kinds of projects? Any online stuff? There was, there was other kinds of projects. Most of it was not for online. Most of it was always for TV. Okay. But there was other kinds of things. There was some um, more experiential things like installations or, you know, uh, some some big Nike event. And they've got a massive screen and they need animations for that. It was sometimes some of that stuff. But actually, it wasn't really a whole lot of online stuff hmm. at all.
1: Was that ever interesting to you or you were pretty happy with the TV and experience? I, I never thought stuff. about it.
2: Hmm. I don't think I ever thought about it because yeah and it never never really was a big part of it. Hmm.
1: I would say motion work on the web it's not like a priority for anyone.
2: Uh it
0: is for a handful of companies and yeah, like they constantly get credit for it. Yeah, it's becoming
1: a priority, but like, like
0: things Stripe for example. If I think a few yeah. years ago, yeah, Stripe. they kill it. If I think
1: f- a few years back like you know, maybe some portfolios or like artists um but not really like heavy motion work in product or marketing sites, I guess. As far as I remember, I don't know. I've seen a lot of marketing the, obviously sites. Obviously, the internet's big and product I haven't seen everything.
2: but And also, is I think it's a it's a factor of New York City and mm. what the mm. industry is in that mm-hmm. city. And it's a television town. Mm-hmm. Just like if I were to go to Los Angeles, I might work on more movies than I would mm. anywhere else. So I think it's that's probably more than anything. The factor is just... New York is the television industry hub and those are all the jobs were.
1: Freelancing for 7 years is a longer run than most people have freelancing.
2: So most of the time I worked for the same four companies all year. Just bouncing. So you had some consistency yeah. at least. It was there's a company called Hush, company called Gretel, a company called Adolescent those were like my top three. And again, they were only my top three because- Gretel I just did Netflix, right? Yeah. Not that long ago? They're
1: fantastic. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I love all
2: their work. And I really only did those three because you end up, again, make, making this relationship with the people who work there, with the owners. They trust you. You trust them. They know your strengths and weaknesses the, and all that stuff, and you end up- Getting booked at a certain place more than the other, so I uh, I would get booked at those three a lot, and then, I would say, I would say seven months out of the year I was probably in one of those three places. The other three months was me trying to see who's doing something cool, yeah, and can I go work there and try it out. What was cool to you? My favorite company was and still is Company Buck they they're the best they they just it's hard to explain it's all very fuzzy but they make they just make the coolest work how do you how do you decide how do you like tell people studio? what's cool it's a studio okay and they have a new york office and an la office and all the work they do it's it's creative it's smart it looks great it feels great the music's always great and i wouldn't say all the work they do because I'm sure a lot of the work they do is, you know, diaper commercials and stuff. And they don't put that on their website. But that yeah, motion is, right. is dope. <laughs> but I'm sure it's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the stuff they, they show to the public on their website is all fantastic. It's called Buck. Mm-hmm. Buck.tv. Oh, cool. they're so good. Ah, so the .tv domain name is like an
1: industry thing because your website is a .tv as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, uh, I see, I see. Yeah. Like
2: how we use .fm for everything? Yeah, .fm is like radio. Okay. Okay, I get it. <laughs> cool makes sense but yeah I don't know how to talk about how cool I think the work is it's hard to it's like a you know why 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 is that song cool mm-hmm. kind of don't know especially like, in an, <laughs> especially in an audio medium where yeah. we can't show any of it <laughs>
1: <laughs> you see that you see that yeah but that's I think going back to earlier is seems like there's a lot of art to it which introduces a lot of subjectivity and taste mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff can be hard to talk about in like a clear way like this is cool because their easing curves had this exact value <laughs> yeah i mean even product stuff gets into that territory yeah a lot. totally mm-hmm. Totally. that's
0: the worst Ugh, makes every project so much harder when subjectivity gets in yeah mm-hmm.
2: but i think you gotta have a shared frame of reference mm-hmm. so if, if you went to buck's site right now and you go i don't know if this is that cool why do you think it's cool? Maybe I would actually pick some other stuff I thought was cool and say because I also think this is cool and also this, Another. and then I and then you start to get a shared frame of reference of what's good and bad. And now we have a mood board, exactly. <laughs> but I, I think that's a perfect example of of how to how to figure out <laughs> how to get a shared mm-hmm. coolness
1: idea, <laughs> shared coolness shared idea, coolness board. <laughs> It'd be pretty cool. <laughs> See, freelanced for seven. Seven and a half years. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah.
2: Why'd you stop? I think well, me and my wife wanted to move out of New York. Okay. So somewhere in there you got married. <laughs> yeah. I got, actually, we weren't married at the time. Uh, we knew we were going to get married soon. Mm-hmm. We didn't know when. Uh, mm-hmm. your, your wife today. Yeah. Got my today yeah. wife. <laughs> gotcha. We, we, weren't, we weren't wifed up then. <laughs> we were together and living in New York. Mm-hmm. And actually, she was studio manager at Gretel. Mm. at the time it's uh, a nepotism i get it <laughs> <laughs> well no not that much <laughs> they needed her a it lot wasn't more nepotism than... <laughs> yet <laughs> <laughs> i think they needed her a lot more than they needed me because mm-hmm. she's really fantastic at at that job she like keeps everything together uh they could have gotten another animator easy uh so we we wanted to move out of new york and we we talked about we had these dreams of, what about moving to Barcelona? And we'd both get on our computers and start looking it up. And we'd look at each other. This looks really complicated. visa <laughs> situation. Uh, and what, what are we going well, to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do with the cat? Well, it's a What are we going to do with the cat? And then um yeah, you can't take
1: cats to Spain. It sucks. No, like
2: even the plants. It was like you, you can't even bring plants internationally. <laughs> you have to like leave everything. So you <laughs> <laughs> can't take cats to Spain. <laughs> yeah, it's a law, man. No, but I think he's kind of right. Oh, really? I'm making <laughs> like, this up. <laughs> like uh, when you when you take an animal to another country, there's all kinds of laws uh, they about. They definitely quarantine. It'd yeah. be fine
0: for him. His he's name Taco. I
1: have a dog named Taco. <laughs> I think they would accept him as a national treasure. They're like, this one? No. <laughs> What's
0: his name, Taco? Oh, okay, change, yeah. I change your cat's name to Catalan, and you're done. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: And make him speak Catalan. Yeah. yeah. yeah no. <laughs> Easy. So we, we ditched that idea after a couple of hours. <laughs> after a couple of hours? We had yeah, this dream. We, <laughs> we had a dream you know, I'm saying for two hours. We were really in. For those two hours, we were all in. For sure. And that's how we do it, me and my <laughs> wife. we We go all in on something. Yeah. Really <laughs> hard for a couple hours. And then, oh, I hate that. I yeah. hate Spain. No, mm-hmm. I don't hate Spain. But uh, we, we just realized it was going to be a lot more work than we thought. So then my wife had already lived in San Francisco years prior and liked it. And I said, let's try it. So we we decided to move here. And then I ended up getting in contact with the folks at Square. They had a video team and they, they wanted a motion mm-hmm. graphics person for their video team. And, you know, they were going to. Fly me out, pay for me to move. And they gave you the treatment, huh? It's like you got it, <laughs> and
1: that's how it happened. Did you ever consider just coming out here and continuing to freelance?
2: I thought about it, and I and before I got the and job then Square at Square offered to pay me a lot of money. <laughs> well, before I got the job at Square, I actually flew out and met with some companies that are here, and I felt like. A, I, I felt like it was a good opportunity for me to try something new because Square was the kind of company I'd never worked at before. But also, all you know, this is me speaking here, it's my personal opinion. All the best companies are in New York. And I didn't want to come here and work for not a best company doing the same thing I was doing then. So for me, it was more exciting to try something new. Square is a great ah, company. I see. New industry, new everything, new kind—not a new role, but kind of a new role. And it was more enticing to me to do that than to come here and try and recreate what I was doing there. Do TV
0: work remotely,
2: <laughs> right? It just—I don't know. It didn't—it didn't feel like that awesome of an idea. So Square
1: seems like pretty big shakeup in the context of the work like it's a technical organization around payments in San Francisco there's a lot of like animating white on white <laughs> uh, was the work all that different or the like Did
2: the how work, big of a change was it really the work wasn't that different because it, again I was still making animated commercials I was still doing compositing for live action commercials the job was technically the same what was different though is being inside. Usually a company like that's my client or, or a company like that is the client of the design shop I'm working at. So there's a bunch of buffers in between the decisions. So the difference is being inside and trying to make decisions from inside creatively when uh, you don't have all the buffers you know and seeing some of the stuff that happens inside a company that leads certain things to be made or not made that was the biggest yeah
1: and you stayed for a while so can i assume that you didn't hate that
2: no i didn't hate it it was fantastic i mean change in workflow i got i got a lot of fun stuff made and i was part of a five or six person video team and we all clicked Again, the theme of relationships comes back around. We clicked, we had a great time. And it was a it was a fast three and a half years. Yeah. Or yeah, three and a half years. It was fast. Uh but ultimately when Airbnb came around, it was again a new type, a new type of role, new type of company. It was a little more enticing to me. Hmm.
1: Seems like You like new things, but you also stay, you like stick to stuff for a long time. I don't know, maybe the the freelancing gave you enough variation, but like staying at Square for three and a half years, that's like, well, pretty good stint. That's a pretty short term anywhere except for San Francisco. I know, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like San
2: Francisco, I'd be like, oh yeah, I stayed a year and then I wanted something new, right? Yeah. And I, I do think that when you get to a company, and now maybe it's just, I don't know, when you get to a company, It takes a, it takes a while to, to start to gel, uh, with who works there, Mm -hmm. with how things are done, with the product, with who, who can I talk to to get decisions made? And especially at a company like Square and Airbnb where there's reorgs, things change, priorities change. You find yourself kind of start having, being able to start over again. You have to do it again. So for me, the three and a half years was not, it wasn't, it did not feel long at all. Hmm. It felt very short. There's a lot of stuff happening. And the the two years and change that I've been in Airbnb feels like five years because we work on so much stuff so fast. Everything is at at a high pace. Yeah. And things change. So.
1: If you were to talk to your college age self and you're thinking about how to like obviously we're going to start seeing more jobs like the ones you have where tech organizations realize the importance of having motion designers on staff, mm-hmm. the impact it can have on a product. If you were to talk to your younger self like here's what you should know to maximize your chance of getting the job you have today. What would those skills be? Is it still After Effects?
2: I think it is still After Effects but I think it it Go
0: work in New York
1: for 10 years. <laughs> first things 1st Spend a if, long time. I
2: think if you want my, if I were telling myself how to get my job today, it probably wouldn't be go to New York for 10 years. It probably would be go to New York for a few years and then actually come out here and learn how products are built and learn, you know, be friends with some engineers. Learn from engineers about how they actually do it. Because that's really the, that's where the rubber hits the road, is the engineering. And you can have all the great designs you want. If if it's not built right and it doesn't work, then you can't do anything. So I would probably talk to my younger self about how to learn more about engineering, understand more about engineering. And uh, I think it would make it easier for him to get a job like this.
1: <laughs> Lots of context
2: setting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And also I think when I first started, I was working hard. Like I was the the hours were long. There were tons of overnighters. I was having a great time. But I was working hard, but I wasn't working smart. I was like, you know, using a hammer where I could have used a feather. I was like just brute force. Brute forcing yeah. it. Uh and i was brute forcing it because i didn't have all the knowledge and thought processes and experience and so now i find myself working a little bit a lot smarter you know doing something that would have taken me 3 days doing it in one day because I've done it a few times and i can navigate it better so i it would be hard to tell my younger self not to work hard because i think mm. you have to work really hard and not burn out but get sometimes burn out and sometimes you burn a little out. <laughs> bit burn out to actually yeah. realize like i don't have to burn out here i can still work a normal day and get a lot done i just gotta learn how to focus mm. and prioritize and get back faster at the tool and all that stuff and also do it for 15 years every exactly. single day exactly <laughs> and you can't can't fast track that yeah it just takes time well in theory maybe Maybe, but we're not there yet. Maybe in VR or something. Brian, Brian's still <laughs>
0: doing everything with a hammer.
1: <laughs> That's true. That's true.
2: <laughs> I'll get there. I'll figure
1: <laughs> out the feather tactic soon. Uh, what keeps you up at night? I think
2: learning keeps me up at night. I always try to keep learning. I don't have any hobbies. <laughs> like i don't i don't hang on i don't uh i don't we can knit help. or you know i don't make music in my spare time my hobby uh, is actually knitting or making music yes the, the most only hobby the most common hobbies amongst <laughs> sf locals my hobbies are usually learning new things so like that like when i was telling you i learned i learned some swift that was my hobby you know my 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 son would go to sleep my wife would fall asleep watching a movie i take out my laptop and try to learn some Swift late at night when I couldn't sleep. And, you know, one thing I'm doing now, I'm learning more character animation just for fun. Hmm. So learning is what I usually do at night when I can't sleep.
1: Nice. What's one thing you've been putting off learning? Other
2: languages other than Swift. (laughs) Like spoken languages. (laughs) Catalan. That too. I would love to learn another actual language but other programming languages mm. like javascript or we well, don't even need swift anymore cuz javascript will do it all exactly seeing i don't i don't really know i'm waiting did. for the
0: swift engineers to but
2: man. Ah! <laughs> blasphemy don't at me <laughs> I didn't say that. The views expressed in this podcast. (laughs) The view controller is expressed in this podcast. (laughs) See, there you go. The puns. You you got it, man. He slipped it in right at the end. (laughs) You've been holding back this whole time with the puns, haven't you? I already
0: said Catalan and Vita.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yeah, uh, I've been holding off on trying to learn any other programming languages. I feel you. I
1: should, though. I'm like the inverse. Swift has always been so intriguing to me, but I've just never spent the time to to dig into it. I think it's pretty cool, but I'm a job, but again, I don't job know script. any
2: other ones, so it <laughs> yeah. might be the worst one. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think you picked a pretty
1: good first one. Uh, honestly, I think that's a good choice.
0: Cool. Thanks for coming and hanging out, man.
2: Thank you all for inviting me. This was fun. Yeah.
0: That was episode
1: 215. Thanks so much to Sully for coming and hanging out with us. I really enjoyed that episode. We hope you did too. If you did, let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter at DesignDetailsFM. We're also on Spectrum, spectrum.chat slash spec.fm. That's where our community is hanging out, talking about what's going on in the design development world. We hope to see you there. Again, that's at spectrum.chat slash spec.fm. And of course, before we go, huge thanks to Fuse for making this episode possible. Fuse is, again, a tool
0: that lets you stop prototyping and start building actual apps. It's kind of like Unity for act, for like
1: apps, not just games. Mm. <laughs> Games. It's an entire integrated experience along with a syntax for writing applications that compiles to real things that you can put in the App Store. So stop prototyping, build real things with a better tool set. Check them out at fusetools.com. If you're working with a team and your whole team wants to upgrade the way you build products, go to slash plans and you can use the promo code Design Details to save 50% off that pro plan for, for a, a year. year. Whoa. Hey. Thanks again to Fuse. Again, check them out at FuseTools.com. Yep. Thanks once again to Fuse. Catch you next week.